0: We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man. Men from Moto digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellects vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 113. What is it good for? My name is David Saville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I'm a little under the weather, but generally in good spirits that is good that is good i'm glad you could record with me this week i do enjoy our conversations and now that we've done our set review lengthy set review um (laughs) i want to get in and just do some draft alongs let's just go through a couple of uh of sample packs here um and we'll see how we align see if we go deeper in the draft or if we we restart and do another one but i kind of just want to get your take on this format you've been playing a ton i've been playing nearly as much as you but so far i really enjoy the format i don't know about you
1: Yeah, I've had a lot of fun. I found that I think part of it is this coming after two Ravnica sets, like almost anything is going to look good because now we're opened up to being able to draft 10 color pairs again instead of being kind of forced into that, that five paradigm, if you will. Uh, but I, I've also found that like there's enough going on here that I've had interesting decks. I don't feel like I'm necessarily repeating the same things. I'm seeing different things from my opponents. And sure, the the rares and uncommons are quite good, but there's some very strong common cards as well, uh, which has kind of surprised me. Like There's plenty of packs where I first picked a common and not been that unhappy about it. I do think it's one of the most complex limited formats we've had,
0: um, honestly, in a long time. But I've been having a blast with it. Yeah, me too. Even though I haven't drafted it a ton, I did do a bunch of seals, um, and I have been watching, like, consuming a lot of content in my limited free time. Um, the one thing that I've noticed about this format is, even though there are bombs and there are cards that are quote-unquote unbeatable, I feel like I can win with most decks in any situation. Like, I feel like my skill can carry me through situations or or against decks that are significantly better than mine, and I wanted to run this past you and see if you kind of had the same idea. So outside of Ugin and maybe Oketra, there aren't a lot of cards in this format that come down and I roll my eyes and say, I can't win. Like if my opponent plays a Sarkin, I feel like I have a chance to win. If my opponent plays any of the other gods, I feel like I have a chance to win. If I have a removal spell in my hand, it's just the game changes to something different. So now if, I'm, if I remove a god, I now have three turns to win or else I'm probably not going to win from that point. Or if my opponent plays a sarkin, I got a two or three for one myself to get him off the table, but at least I dealt with it and I can try to recover. It feels like even though the games can be swingy, I never really feel like a game is out of grasp for me. Unless obviously like I don't draw my lands or I don't curve out. But I feel like just building a consistent deck has won me a lot of games and even giving me the chance in the games against bombs that some people say are unbeatable. I don't know what your take is on that one, but I'm I'm curious what you think.
1: Uh, Liliana belongs in that category. Mm,
0: yes. Uh, yes. So
1: th- those three, I would say, are the, the most difficult bombs to beat, although I have beaten all of them, um, and I've won with all of them too, except for Oketra. I haven't gotten to play with Oketra yet, uh, but seeing it on the other side of the table is terrifying. But generally speaking, I agree with you. Um, like the bombs are certainly very good, but it also kind of feels like we have the tools at our disposal to be able to interact with a lot of board states and maybe close out a game. And it, it seems to reward tight play. Uh, so I, I've been digging it so far. I mean, it's very early in the format for what, a couple weeks in. So like everything seems good when you haven't played with it that long. Uh, but so far, like I'm, I'm excited to fire up the stream on Monday
0: and draft this again. Yeah. And one of the things I try to find myself doing, early in my in my match or in my games is making sure that I'm maximizing my resources. So if my two drop, you know, if I if I play my two drop, I'm going to decide whether I'm going to trade for their two drop or I'm going to save it for something else depending on its late or mid-game value and I'm really trying to get as many two for ones as possible, right solid limited play obviously, but that way if I have to two for one or three for one myself to remove a planeswalker at some point in the future, um I'm putting myself back to even maybe on, on card advantage as opposed to being behind after doing that. And I think that's maybe where, uh, where my edge is in this format right now, or at least I feel like I have a bit of an edge, at least in the matches that I've played so far is that tight play early, like you said, I think just sets you up better later. So I think it's a really good lesson in resource management, uh, you know, card advantage and things like that. And just figuring out the best play on a board state, like you can't, you know do you go aggressive here do you hold back do you hold up a counter spell like what what are your different lines um and trying to gain those incremental edges throughout the game i think that's that's what i like to do one of the things i haven't really figured out in this format is when to hold up no escape and i think once i learn how to do that um i think i'll probably be in a better position and maybe be able to, to push my win streak a little little bit further it's actually
1: a fascinating insight that like, if you can get a two for one early, then when you have to have a one for two later, it's not as bad because you've kind of already got some of that advantage for me with Noah escape, I have figured out you hold it up on turn three. If you ain't got nothing better to do. And then generally speaking, I try to hold it if I can, depending on where the board state is around five or six. Uh, and again, depending on the color pairs, because that's where I'm really starting to get scared of what they have Um, I've also found that for me, no escape coming in out of the board is where I've been happiest with it because I know what they have that I want to counter. So if if I have a couple of no escapes in the sideboard and my opponent plays an Ugin and I just don't have a realistic answer, it's like, well, I'm going to bring these in. And once they're at six mana, I'm just going to set three lands over to the side and they live here now. Yeah,
0: that's interesting that you uh, that you bring in another board. I can I can respect that. I also respect the playing it on three because there are a lot of three mana plays that you're just happy countering immediately, like Davriel or uh, Ashiok sometimes, and and cards like that. So I'm I get you there, and then you just accept that it's going to basically counter whatever they play. Typical counterspell strategy. But you're right. Mm-hmm. I think the five or six mana those are the those are the key Planeswalkers that are bombish, and obviously all the gods as well. So all right, I'm gonna have to put throw that into my repertoire there but you want to just jump right into a pack here and and see how it goes yeah let's do this all right so i'm going to start with the commons on this one and these i'm going to going to let you know these are not drafts that that we have done these are simulated drafts and neither of us have seen them this is the first time we're seeing them now i opened up the link and sent them to travis and uh we're just going to go through this and pick by pick and see if we come to a consensus and if we do we'll probably go deeper in the draft if we don't we'll probably just start a new one and really we're just looking to have a discussion on each card and the key cards we think in uh that are in each pack so starting with the commons we have herald of the dread horde three in a black for a three two uh when it dies a mass two a uh, big fan of this card so far it's a nice little role player in that four drop spot yeah i've been very happy with that ashielk's Ashiok's Skulker is 4 and a blue for 3-5 with the activated ability 3 and a blue. Ashiok's Skulker can't be blocked this turn. Uh, I must say that going into this format, looking at the spoilers or the the previews, I think I thought that there would be uh, more of a mana sync focus on this format, and it does not seem that that's the case uh, anymore. And whether that's just because we're using our mana to play powerful spells each turn or that... We just don't pick these cards enough, so we don't have enough of them in our deck. But I think Ashiok Skulker kind of came down after playing the set a few times. Um, I don't think I enjoy it as much as I thought I would going in. Yeah,
1: same. I was a little high on this card, and I think now it's just gone to,
0: sure, you can put this in your deck. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lazatep Behemoth, 4 and a black for a 5-4 with Flavor Text. Um, I like this card. I think the 5 power is surprisingly relevant. Um, And, you know, it should be pretty easy to get a 2-for-1 if your opponent has to block it in some capacity there's a lot of board states where you can just send this in and uh and get a nice little two for one your opponent's choice of course but i mean again trading those resources off seems to be seems to be critical mm-hmm. that's fine divine arrow one and a white for the instant uh divine arrow deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature pretty solid removal in white not the best but not the worst i've been happy to play this I, so far it's the best card i, I think out of the pack I think you're probably right so far. Honor the God Pharaohs, two and a red for a sorcery. uh, Is an additional cast to cost a spell? Discard a card, draw two cards, and amass one.
1: I've played this a lot more than I thought that I would, uh, particularly in like a blue-red deck. I've been pretty happy to have these in the deck, and I've even played like two of them as an excuse to run 18 lands. I I had a deck that had uh, Kefnet and the Boar God, but I didn't get... I I got the Kefnet in pack two and the Borgod in pack three. It's like, we're going to have to run some filler here. Uh, Spoiler alert, the deck went five and oh. And Honor the God Pharaoh was terrific filler because it was like, I could just play 18 lands, play all my card draw and
0: find those cards and then win with them. And that's exactly how it worked. Unlike Tormenting Voice, I, I don't mind casting this on Curve. Because yeah. of the amass, and if you have other amass spells, now you're just giving that, that next amass spell haste, essentially, right? So mm-hmm. so I, uh, compare that to Tormenting Voice, and I think it's it's a huge step up, especially in, in this format, so I, I like that a lot. Another amass card here, this time in creature form. We have five and a red for invading manticore. It's a four, five, and when it enters the battlefield, amass two. Pretty happy with this one, too. I mean, it's yeah. six. You can't play too many, but I like it. Especially if you've got a critical mass of amass. Um, you can again, make like a four, four or five, five and, and start smashing through. I believe we uh, call that a critical amass, a critical amass raging crunch is a a red for a four, three. It can't attack alone. Um, funny story about two at a giant is you can attack with this when your partner attacks. Not that that's relevant anymore, but that was a lot of fun in the pre-release explaining that to people centaur nurturer is three and a green for a two four when enters the battlefield gain three life and you can tap to add one mana of any color Uh nice little role player in either any green any green anything deck uh it ramps it fixes it does whatever but even in the green black kind of multicolor shenanigan deck it also goes well there i would say yeah happy with the nurturer too burning prophet is one and a red for a one three whenever you cast a on creature spell it gets plus one plus zero until end of turn and then scry one so, what's your take on the two drops in this format, and what are you looking for in your two drops, and why is it not burning profit?
1: Oh, it is definitely burning profit. You, Excellent, you,
0: we're on the same page.
1: Yeah, troll. I'm. I'm mainly looking to make sure that um, I have something that can block. I've found that I'm. I'm interested in blocking with my two drops more than I thought I would be, uh, because like I'm usually trying to set up. Okay, I'm going to play this two drop, this three, and then this planeswalker, and I want to make sure I get both activations. Uh, you know, off in a couple turns before they can interact with it. Uh, Burning Prophet is scrying more than I thought it would, and I already thought it was going to scry a decent amount. Uh, And it plays nicely with, like, instant speed removal, combat tricks, and just incidental chip damage, if you will. Uh, So this has been a really good 2-drop for me.
0: I really like that it's not instants and sorceries, because now when your planeswalkers enter the battlefield, you get to scry one or or attack for an extra point of damage like i think that's actually surprisingly relevant so um there are a lot of non-creature spells in this format once you count the planeswalkers so i'm a big fan of this um and i would play any number of them in my red x deck like any red deck except maybe red white actually probably red white i would still play these yeah you're playing this everywhere
1: like i just don't i just like red white it plays nicely with card draw too because you get to scry first
0: Mm -hmm. That, that is awesome uh, steady Aim is a green combat trick, one and a white for an instant untap target creature. It gets plus one, plus four, and gains reach until end of turn. I have yet to cast this card in the format.
1: I've only seen it, uh, well, I wouldn't say Resolved once. I've seen it cast once, uh, and then I used Bob Nixless's Cruelty to kill the thing it was targeting, and my opponent conceded. Like... It, it, all of my criticisms of this card was that it's a combat trick you're wanting to play defensively and that that will get you blown out if your opponent has instant speed
0: removal and surprise there's really good instant speed removal in this format mm-hmm. yeah i'm entirely off of this card i think uh Leiline prowler is our first uncommon one and one black and a green for a two three death touch lifelinker with the ability uh, tap and add one mana of any color uh, i really like this card i don't know that i'm first picking it i i'm not Sure, if I'm on that train yet, uh, because this only goes in one deck. Uh, it goes in the the black green. Play as many greedy cards as you can, which I've done a couple of times. Um, and it is a role player in that deck, but you're you're locking yourself into that deck if you do this. I think.
1: Yeah, I mean. It, it... I think it suffers a bit from the Centaur Nurturer, does a lot of what it does as far as fixing your mana and ramping you. The advantage is after you're done with all of that, this gives you a better body, like that can block and trade off with something. I think it's probably the best card in the pack so far.
0: I think it is too. It's a matter of do you want to commit to that or not. And um I mean maybe it's between this and like Burning Prophet and Divine Arrow for me so far, which I guess Leyline Prowler probably has the, the leg up on that one. Yeah. Neoform is green and a blue for a sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell, sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card under the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it, then shuffle your library. I have yet to see this resolved.
1: Uh, I've seen it resolved once. It got a Niv-Mizzet, and I lost the game shortly thereafter. So I think there are times where you might want to play
0: it, but generally speaking, I'm not interested in this card. Agreed. Uh, We have Teo the Shield Mage as our Planeswalker in the pack. Two and a white for a five loyalty. Uh, Planeswalker, you have Hexproof. And minus two, create a zero three white wall creature token with Defender.
1: Meh. I've put Teo in a couple decks, and it's really underperformed. I I feel like just about anything is better than this.
0: I I think the only deck that I can think of where Teo really performed well and it wasn't on my side of the table it was on my opponent's side of the table is when they had just had a super friends deck and they had like two ashioks and basically just cards that they wanted to protect and get as much value off of and win the game with their ashioks um all teo did there was just gum up the ground and they were able like to to very time twist their ashiok and things like that and that is how they approached the game plan and it was really annoying but like once I figured it out, it was just kind of like okay, I'll decide on all my three twos and like we'll just go from there. I just started playing the Naga the blue Naga that's a three two for three, and it's just like now <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? like I'm getting eventually I'll get my three twos through and and we'll kill ashiok or whatever um but but I, it was annoying in that shell
1: yeah i I think the challenge there is like Teo's light shield, which is a common, probably would have been better. I
0: agree completely,
1: yeah, so i like i I just I, like. You can put Teo in a deck. I'm just not happy when I do it.
0: Yep, I agree. And then our rare is Command the Dreadhorde for Black Black for a sorcery. Choose any number of target creature and or Planeswalker cards in graveyards. Command the Dreadhorde deals damage to you equal to the total converted mana cost of those cards. Put them onto the battlefield under your control. Um, I'm not sure where I come down on this card. I had it in a deck and I didn't like it, but I I don't know if that's because the card wasn't great or if because the deck wasn't great and the situations that I had this card, it was just dead. Um What's your take on this one? I have played with and
1: against it numerous times. This is approaching bomb level. Uh, This is easily the pick for me out of this pack. Um, If you can get it... So obviously the dream is you get it in a deck that has the Wanderer. um, Because you can't take non-combat damage. So you just buy back literally everything and take no damage and win. That's super cool. You may get to do that once in the format, but even when you don't, you can usually crap because you know that this is in your deck and your opponent doesn't. So when, when you have the opportunity to trade three damage for two damage, you don't take it. When they attack in, maybe you make blocks that look like they're not advantageous for you, but you're preserving that life total because you've got a plan to use it later. Uh, I've been absolutely wrecked by this card, and I have crushed face with it. Like, my initial impression of it was, that's too much life, I don't think this is going to be good. So I kind of forced
0: myself to take it and play with it, and was beyond impressed. Okay, I think you sold me on it. I think I was probably playing with it wrong. Um, And when I put it in my deck, I'm like, this is probably powerful. Um, And I, thinking back, I probably wasn't conserving my life total as much as I should have. Um. So okay, I'm with you. I'm I'm willing to try this card. I will take it out of this pack. You talked me into it. Let's uh let's take command of the dreadhorde.
1: Yeah, I think that's an easy one for me. If it's not there, I'm between divine arrow and the prowler, and probably just going with the prowler on power level. If green black's open, cool. If it's not, I'll let it go pretty easily.
0: Yeah, I think the green black greed deck. I really had a lot of fun with the two times I think I've drafted that deck. Um, I just got to learn how to be greedier, but it definitely starts with the leyline prowler. Yeah. Okay. All right, next pack. We have Charity Extractor is three and a black for a 1-5 lifelink. and Pouncing links, one and a white for a 2-1. As long as it's your turn, it has first strike. Meh. Meh. There's better two drops. I prefer my two drops to have evasion. Such as the next card, worst creature, 1 in a white for a 1-3 with flying. With the activated ability, 5 and a white, other or, and tap, other creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1 until end of turn. I have gotten a lot of people with that activated ability.
1: Yup, this is the 2-drop you want in your white decks. It blocks well, it attacks Planeswalkers
0: well, the activated ability will come up in a game. Yeah, it's surprisingly relevant to have an evasive 2-drop that can pull a loyalty off of a turn 3 Planeswalker. Um, and effectively either remove an activation or make it so that if they activate again, the Planeswalker is gone. Um, and I even like anything like the Strix where you can get two power potentially is also good, I think. But removing even one loyalty has a major impact on a lot of early game Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Contentious Plan is one in a blue for a sorcery with Proliferate, and then you draw a card.
1: I've put this in a couple decks, but it, it was the definition of filler. Like, it's so hard to tell where the board state's going to be. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I've, I've not been super happy with this card.
0: It's the blue opt. Yeah. <laughs> Raging Crunch is in this pack. We had him in the last one. Uh, Erratic Visionary, one in a blue for a 1-3 with the loot ability. One in a blue tap, draw a card, then discard a card. I have not looted nearly as much as I thought I would in this format. Same. I, I haven't either, which kind of surprises me. Um, but I'm still happy to have one of these in my blue deck. Yeah, I think the problem is is like I want I want my two drops to be able to attack a lot of the time because I want to be able to pressure planeswalkers potentially. Um and obviously the one three just gets outclassed quite easily on the board. Yeah. Topple the statue is two and a white for an instant, tap target permanent, if it's an artifact, destroy it, draw a card. Sideboard card. Agreed. Gideon sacrifices a single white for an instant. Choose a uh, creature or a Planeswalker you control. All damage that would be dealt this turn to you and permanence you control is dealt to the chosen permanent instead. Meh. Meh. Courage in crisis. Two and a green for a sorcery. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, then proliferate. I see this played a lot, and I am never interested in putting it in my deck. Have you played with it at all? No, but I seem to just blow out people
1: consistently when they use it. Like, what it turns into is basically deal me four damage and get two for one. Like, I, yeah. I don't think people really understand. Maybe what you could do with this is play it in a game where you're planning to play it on six mana and play a three drop in the same turn. But I've seen a lot of people go two drop into this. And it's like, you know, Obnixus's cruelty is in this format, right? Like, you just can't do that.
0: Uh, so this is your pants of the set. But I don't, I don't want to be wearing pants. Yeah, it is. It's just an aura, right? Plus 2, plus 2 in a mm-hmm. lot of cases. And it's like, would you go all in on that on turn 3? I think if you look at it like that, that's a really good way to look at it. Um, maybe there's a place, if you have a really good blue-green proliferate deck or something like that, that like everything has a plus 1, plus 1 counter. But even then, like there's other better cards in this spot, including just creatures that proliferate. Yeah. Tithe Giant is 5 and a black for a 4-5. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and lose a life. I really like this card. Yeah, I've been super happy having up to 2 of these in my black decks. Agreed. Um even though it for 6 mana like the 4 power doesn't seem like it's super relevant. It is. Um it is super relevant. Like you you're, you're going to get something of value on the other side of the table and you're up a card in the exchange. Mm-hmm. Elite guard mage, two white blue for a 2 3 flying. Uh when it enters the battlefield, you gain 3 life and draw a card. I love this in my blue white flyers decks. This this thing is is great agree like this best card in the pack so far i've probably taken that best card in the pack i would take it if it's pick one pack one and i'm certainly taking it even because we have uh even though our black card is or sorry our first pick was black because i don't care this card is fantastic uh Mowu, loyal companion is three and green for a three three trample vigilance and whenever you put a plus one plus one counter on it uh put an additional plus one plus one counter on it sorry one or more plus one plus one counters on it
1: I've been pretty happy with Mowoo. I thought it was a hill giant with upside and it's played a little bit better than that because most mm-hmm. of the decks that it goes in don't have trouble getting that first counter. Uh, I don't think it's in contention here. It's something I'm looking for more like pick five once I'm already green. Uh, but once I'm there, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this.
0: Yeah, I uh, I had a green white deck. I think it was like a five zero or a 5-1 on stream. Maybe it was sealed Um, that... Basically, I had a bunch of like I had two of these. I had the uh, the light shields, iron bullies, and the pollen bright druids, mm-hmm. and is super consistent to be able to make this like a five five or a seven seven or whatever actually quite easily. And um, you know, even just a four mana three three trample vigilance is re- is re- like reasonably relevant in this format. Like it can get outclassed quite easily, especially on the double blocks, but. You know, being able to to grow this and run over and hit a Planeswalker or something like that is is surprisingly relevant. Yeah, and the Vigilance mattered too. Yeah. And then the uh, Planeswalker in the pack is Kiora, uh, two and a green-blue hybrid for a seven loyalty, which is a lot of loyalty. Uh, Whenever a creature with power four greater enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card and minus one untap target permanent. It's super
1: unimpressed with Kiora too. I thought it was going to be bad and it's kind of played out like that. Yeah, I
0: agreed. Unless like unless you're drawing a bunch of cards off of her, she's just not worth it.
1: So for me, like we took a black card first. Fair enough. Um, if there was a black card here that was decent, I'd, I'd probably just windmill slam it. If there's a Obnixless's Cruelty, for example. But here, the best card in the pack is the Elite Guard Mage by a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm going to take that and then figure I get to play one of these two. Either I'm going to get to play the the rare that we took earlier, or I'm, you know, maybe I have to let Command the Dreadhorde go uh, and play the Elite Guard Mage, and
0: that's fine. I'll just have a rare in my sideboard, no big deal. I really like blue, blue-white flyers. Like, even just mediocre blue-white flyers has been overperforming for me. Granted, it's on Arena, um, mm-hmm. so, like, your mileage may vary there, but, like, just playing a bunch of evasive threats and forcing your opponent to race against things they can't block and lose their Planeswalkers when they play them, like this guy goes in that strategy. So I'm gonna, I'm with you. I'm going to take that for sure. If this wasn't here, I'm probably just taking the Tithebreaker Giant assuming that there's nothing better because I think all the other cards are like not not comparable to Tithebreaker Giant plus our rare that we have Command the Dreadhorde.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I'm probably with you there. Like I I have a special place in my heart for crunches cuz they're pretty good, but yeah, I'm with you there.
0: Okay. All right, next pack coming, we have, in our common spots, we have Banehound, a single black for a 1-1 lifelink haste. I saw you on stream the other day facing down an opponent that had three of these on turn two.
1: Yeah, and it was terrifying for them when I played a 1-2 and they were basically dead. I don't know who said that it's okay to play these. Uh, Maybe some famous streamer was like goofing around or exploring different archetypes. But I uh, Friday when I streamed, I played numerous decks that were just, you know, Banehound, Banehound, and Banehound. It's
0: like, I don't care. This is so easy to beat. And it was just free gems. Don't put these in your deck. It's bad. Yeah, they just, just get outclassed so quickly. Who cares? All right. Goblin Assailant, speaking of cards we don't care about, one in a red for a 2-2 with flavor text.
1: If this goes in your red deck, something has gone horribly wrong. Now, I would still argue if you see your opponent play a Banehound or a Goblin Assailant, don't assume they're an idiot and, you know, go into autopilot mode because I did have a Goblin Assailant in that deck that had Kefnet and the Ray's Boar because I just needed filler. Uh, So generally speaking, when I see my opponents play terrible cards, I start assuming they must have a good rare in there somewhere. So let's play tight. Uh, And I think that that will reward you over time.
0: Agreed. And if you're following that strategy of getting that incremental advantage um, and, you know, finding ways to keep the board clean or, you know, punish your opponents for playing bad one and two drops, then you can hopefully outlast them when they finally do play their bomb. Uh, We have Topple the Statue again. We're not going to read that one again. Toll the Invasion. I'm curious what you think about this one. I know what I think of this one. Two and a black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an online card. They discard it and amass one.
1: I'm pretty happy with one main deck, although it doesn't have to be main deck. Uh, So it's more like I went into, I don't know, black-white, and I didn't quite get enough playable, so we'll put this one in. I will aggressively sideboard it in if I know that my opponents have good five and six mana plays that I want to gobble. And the place where I'm really happy having it main deck is if I'm in any of the Grixis pairs, where I've got other incidental amass laying around so I know that the body's going to be relevant. Uh, but like, I'm, I'm not
0: embarrassed to put this in a deck, but I'm not actively looking to either. Yeah. Do you have a particular spot you'd like to fire it off? Like I look at it as kind of like the, uh, the tormenting voice, the one in red, the same thing. Like, I don't mind firing this off on curve because it provides me with a body or boosts my body. That's already in play. Um, like, do you have a preference on that? No,
1: I, I unless I've, again, we're in game two or three, I, I, I've been playing best of threes and. Mm-hmm. My God, that is so much better. So like, I know what my opponent has. Like, it's a it's a five mana card that I care about. I play it when they have four lands, right? I don't need to play it any earlier than that. Or it's a six mana card. I play it when they hit their fifth land drop, right? So that I, I have a better chance of being able to nab it. Uh, but same, like if, if I don't have anything better to do on three, I'll fire it off on three and be
0: fine. Yeah. All right, Aven Eternal two a blue for a two two flying. When it enters the battlefield, a mass one.
1: I thought this might be the best blue common,
0: and I kind of still think it might be. This is really good. Big fan of this one. I mean, I liked, what was the one in uh, the Battle for Zendikar block? The one and a two that came with a one, one? Or the it, a one? Yeah, uh, Sky, Spawner, Sky, Sky Spawner. Sky Spawner. Really enjoyed playing that card. I think it was, maybe it was two two and a blue for that card. I don't remember. But this was. Is basically this is basically that. And I played as many of those as I could get.
1: Yeah, this, this card's absolutely fantastic. And the fact that they amassed stacks has been better than just making another 1-1. One,
0: one. Yeah. I mean I might be crazy because I like three mana flying two-twos just vanilla, like no extra bonus in, in corsets and things like that. So windrakes are my jam. Callous Dismissal, one and a blue for a sorcery, return target non-line permanent to its owner hand with a mass one. I did not think I would like this card nearly as much as I do, and I really like this card. Same, same. I remember doing the set review, and I was like,
1: I don't know. It's not instant speed. It doesn't matter. Like, You're going to be able to use it for tempo. The plus the plus one, plus one to your army or getting that army started matters. Uh, bouncing something out of the way to attack planeswalkers kind of a big deal. And then the fact that it just murders
0: opposing armies is a huge deal. Resetting creatures that have plus one, plus one counters on them from proliferate. Super handy resetting your own planeswalker resetting your own aven eternal or eternal sky lord or like cards like other creatures that you can get etb value out of um yeah it just it does it all this is like the swiss army knife i think of the format for me yeah the card's stupid it is new horizons tuna green for an enchantment aura enchant land when it enters the battlefield put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control and you can tap that land for two mana of any one color This has been a bit of a role player in the format that I wasn't really expecting to be, but like the
1: five color greedy green deck uh, would love to have these. I still think you want to be playing it in a deck with a decent amount of two drops, but fortunately green has some of the better two drops you can get uh, between the spider and the proliferate little elf druid dude. Uh, and both of them would be happy to get an extra counter because you're going to be proliferating later too. So I, I think this is a solid card. I'm not interested in it here because of what we've already picked, but like I, I did a draft where I basically forced you know bombs, good removal, and if that wasn't there, green fixing, and
0: got a cohesive deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Charity Extractor. We've done that already. Now, in the simulator, we have foils. We don't get those on Arena, uh, but our foil is New Horizons. I'm sure it would just be some Junkie Common. In the Uncommon Spot, we have Rubble Belt Rioters, one green-red for an 0-4 with Haste. When it attacks, it gets plus X plus zero, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control.
1: I was initially out on this, but like this is doing what Gruul wants to do in this format. Uh, this card's yeah. fine. I'm, I'm not going into Gruul for it. I don't think it's one of the more powerful gold cards. Uh, but if I
0: see one of these once I'm already red-green, I'm going to jump into it. Agreed. There's a, like a lot of the time it's a 3-4 four or 4-4 four, four haste, which mm-hmm. is super, super powerful. Um, And, uh, and again, I'm not going to take this highly, but like pack three, get in my deck if I have a bunch of crunches. Yeah. Augur of Bolus is one and a blue for a 1-3 when it enters the battlefield. Look at the bottom three cards of your library. No, I'm kidding. Look at the top three cards and you can pick an instant or sorcery and put it in your hand. Put the rest on the bottom in any order. I wish they had made a new version of this card that was instead of instant or sorcery, it was just non-creature.
1: Well, I will say I've already drawn more cards off of Augur of Bolas in this format than I have any other one I've ever played.
0: I wonder if that's because you're playing Instance and Sorceries that have a mass. So you're putting more of them in your deck. It, it certainly is. And I'm counting those as like creature spells. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so again, I'm not crazy excited about Augur of Bolas, but it's fine. What do you want out of a two drop? You know, it's a 1 3, it blocks well, and it's got the opportunity to maybe draw you a card. 20 30% of the time something like that. It's cards fine. And like people joke about, you know, put the bottom 3 you know, put the top 3 cards on the bottom of your library, but if I could know the bottom 3 cards of my library, that's that's handy information.
0: So Not wor- not worth a card. But, no, but but worst case scenario you're talking about.
1: Yeah, we're, well if there was a card that did that, I wouldn't do it, but if it comes attached to a, you know,
0: two mana one three, sure, that's fine. Okay. I'm usually not playing these. I, there's so many better 2-drops in the colors that I'm pairing with blue, right? There's War Screecher in white. There's the Burning Prophet in red. There's the Pollenbrite Druid in, I guess it's not a 1-3, but it's a 2-2. Two two. Um, I just find that this suffers from the 2-drop tax of, like, there are so many better 2-drops that I could be playing in, in this, instead of this card. Sure, but
1: note that you didn't say black, and that's where I've had the most success with it, because there's not better 2-drops in black, and you're typically loaded up on, on spells there because you're playing your callous dismissal, you're told the invasion, like that's filling a lot of your creature slots, and then like if you ever draw
0: Abnixilus' cruelty off of this thing, you're you you did it. You did it. Yeah. And, and that's fair. It obviously depends on the composition of your deck, right? Yeah. But it's and it's not in contention here, right? Like it doesn't go with no. our elite guard mage, it doesn't go with our uh command the dread horde. Now, we must be playing on Arena here because we got past the Mythic, Finale of Glory, X White White for a Sorcery, create X-2-2 two, two White Soldier Creature Tokens with Vigilance. If X is 10 or more, create a bunch of Angel Tokens as well. Um, I'm going to slam the Mythic here, I think.
1: Yeah, and it's got the advantage, too, of going with the Flyer we already have. Exactly. Uh, so I'm, I'm super into the Finale of Glory here. Hopefully no. we'll have some more, like, contentious picks here in a minute, but, like, on power level, I I, I think these were just the three
0: correct picks out of this pack. Pretend Finale of Glory is a basic land. Are you just taking Aven Eternal, or are you taking the Callous Dismissal, do you think?
1: Uh, let's think through this.
0: We've got Gar- uh, the Elite Flyer and the, the Command
1: the Dreadhorde. Yeah, I think I want the first aven Eternal more than the first Callous Dismissal. In yeah. fact, I think I want the fifth Aven Eternal more than the first Callous Dismissal,
0: if I'm going to be honest. Mm, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you can't go wrong with a bunch of 2-2 Flyers. That come with a one one body as well. Um but I like I said, I really like the blue white evasion. So all right, we'll double click the finale and uh we'll carry on with our with our draft. Alright, next up, Grim Initiate one a single red, sorry, for a one one first striker when it dies a mass one.
1: Uh I said this card was gonna be fringe playable, and it kinda is. Like I've put it in a deck once. I wasn't super happy about it. It did about what I expected it to, uh, but I I, I don't want to play
0: this. Oh, I'm I'm sure it goes in some deck somewhere, but that is not the deck that I'm interested in. There's just so many better cards to be putting in your deck. And, yep. and I'm and I'm looking at that strategy, right? Where I'm looking at like if if I'm going to assume that everybody I play in arena has bombs, I need my role players to do more than than just a dumb one one with first strike. Yep. So Jai's greeting, one in a red for an instant, deal three damage, target creature, scry one. This card is the real deal. I have been super happy with Jaya's Greeting. I would play as many as I could get. I agree. There are a lot of relevant early plays to get with this, and even a lot of relevant late plays to get with this. Yeah, just clearing out a blocker and killing a Planeswalker is a big deal. Yeah, uh, killing flyers. Mm-hmm. Law Rune Enforcer is a single white for a 1-2 with the ability 1 and tap. Tap target creature with converted mana cost 2 or greater. This card is the real deal. I love this card. I would play 3 of these, 4 of these. Maybe not 4. But... Easily three though, I I think I'd play twelve. Um, I said that <laughs> I don't I, think you'd play twelve. <laughs> I might because I could use the other ones
1: to kill them. Um, I guess, but I, I think I said I thought this was the best white common. It may just be the best common in the set.
0: Ooh, that was, that's bold. That's bold.
1: It's a bold move, Cotton. But I think it's going to work out for me. This card is really really busted. Like. The only thing, that there are things that doesn't tap, right? Like there's Ugin's Conjurant, there's Armies, but like you've got other things in your deck to deal with those. It protects your Planeswalkers, it allows you to attack your opponent's Planeswalkers, and it just creates nightmare scenarios for your opponent. Um, It can be killed, but they have to kill it, otherwise you're kind of going to run away with a game. The most I've been able to get was four, and I was never, I had four on the board at once. Um, and like I only got through one turn cycle with them before my opponent
0: conceded, but I I think I'd play as many of these as I could get. Yeah. I mean, you're never going to get more than four or five anyway. So my, my point is, is moot, but, uh, yes. Uh, like I'm picking this first out of some packs, a lot of packs, I think. Right. Yeah. All right. So we're on that so far. Chandra's pirate. Helix one in a red, uh, for deal two damage divided as you choose among one or two targets. I'm not taking this over Jaya's greeting.
1: I'm not either. There's not enough X ones that you're ever realistically going to get a two for one off of it. It, it is possible to pick off an X one and deal a point of damage to a walker, but I'm
0: always taking the greeting over this. Yep. Totally lost four in a blue uh, for an instant put target non-land permanent on top of its owner's library. I do enjoy the totally lost lock where you can put something bad on your opponent's library like a one, one lifelink haste, and then buy this back with a spell keeper weird spell, whichever one the blue weird is, and then doing it again next turn. That is one of my favorite things to do, but it's, I don't often, I don't often play totally lost. It's usually like a 23rd card. If I'm like lacking removal, I've played it more in this format
1: than I have in the past because we've seen a lot of them and like, it's worth paying attention to some opportunities with this card. There's various things that let people search their library for a thing and then shuffle. Uh, and If you do this at the right time, you can put a permanent in back into their library and then have them either choose that as the creature that they find or risk shuffling it away so like there's some fun stuff you can do with it and i think the format's slow enough that like it's not embarrassing to play this whereas in the past i was kind of like yeah i don't want to play totally lost like still not taking it here but like i've put this in more decks than i have in, in other formats
0: yeah agreed dusk mental operative is one in a black for a two two and it can't be blocked by creatures with power four or greater This is just not a two-drop that I'm usually interested in playing. I think this goes along the lines of, if this is in your deck, you probably missed an opportunity to get better two-drops. Probably, but it's okay. I mean, I'd just rather play the, what is it, Lazatep Reaver, the the one-two that makes Oh yeah, that guy's amazing. Agreed. Topple the statue again. Soren's Thirst, black-black, deals two damage to target creature, and you gain two life. You had an interesting insight into this card, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it sucks. I don't want to play it. (sighs) Can you explain why? Yeah, so
1: it's...
0: (sighs) It's hard to cast. Yeah, On on two. two.
1: And I I think that's actually the biggest problem with it. Because generally what you're trying to do with a card like this is... Like, people will see it and think that it's a removal spell. And it's kind of not. What it actually is is a two-drop. But it can only trade with your opponent's two-drops. Which is a big reason why I'm playing two drops, is just trade it off with my opponent's two drops so I can cast the big things and win the game. But like this one's hard to cast, so it's not always gonna trade for their two drop. The format's also chock full of one threes. So like there's plenty of stuff that it just doesn't kill. Uh and and yeah, it can kill something relevant, like a two two flyer or something like that. But like I can just put something else in my deck that I can cast to pressure things with. It it just doesn't feel like it actually kills anything relevant. Um, I think if it was one in a black, maybe we could talk. If it did three damage and I gained one life, I'm certainly in. Um, because like compare it to jaya's Greeting, you're like, they're not that different, but they're so different. It's that one extra colored mana actually matters, and that one extra damage is kind of a big deal. So it, it feels like it's just a bad pyro helix. So I, in the beginning of the format, I was like, Wow, I got four Soren's thirst, that's weird. And then when I played with him, I was like, I don't want any Soren's Thirst. I'll, I'll bring him in if my opponent has a, a bunch of annoying two toughness
0: flyers. But I haven't been main decking this, and I, I think it's probably right. I think you're absolutely right. Um, the, the fact that you're not reliably casting this on turn two really shuts it off for me. So, um, And I don't even like Pyro Helix all that much in the format, so I'm yeah. definitely out on Soren's Thirst. Pledge of Unity, one green-white for an instant, to put a plus-one, plus-one counter on each creature you control, and then you gain one life for each creature you control. Um, I really like this card. I don't ever get to play it as much as I want, but I really like this card.
1: I really like it, too, although it's not as amazing as I thought. I've had it mm-hmm. cast on the other side of the battlefield, but I blocked in such a way that if they had it, it didn't blow me out completely. Uh, So, like, if you're playing against somebody that knows that this card exists and is going to stop and ask... Why did they just swing team? What could they have? It's going to get a little worse. And I also had it in a position where I was way behind on the board. Now, a lot of cards aren't going to do anything there, but this one certainly doesn't. Um, Mm. Like, I couldn't get good blocks even with it. Uh, But I may have just been too far behind for it to work. That said, I'll happily put this in every
0: green-white deck, but I'm not thinking, let's take it here. Agreed, agreed. If I'm already green-white, I'm interested in this for sure. Our Planeswalker in the pack is Ashiok. Uh, one hybrid blue uh, black hybrid blue black uh for a five loyalty planeswalker uh spells your opponent's control can't cause their controller to search their library not really relevant usually in in limited it's me is. three times already in the set what did what did you play that was searching your library death sprout. oh nice death sprout and i guess the green finale mm-hmm. okay uh, and then minus target pl- minus one target player puts the top four cards of their library into their graveyard, then exile each opponent's graveyard. I respect this card a lot more than I did at the start of the format, because every time it has been played against me, not every time, most times it has been played against me, I have had to respect it on the board because of the way my opponent's deck was constructed. I've seen it played sometimes where my opponent's deck is not constructed to take advantage of this card, but I think if you're playing Ashiok, you need a game plan that revolves around Ashiok, which means blinking Ashiok, having multiple Ashioks, defending Ashiok in some way, because that is going to be the way you're winning because you're obviously not putting like other win conditions in your deck or you're focusing on this as your win condition. And it can be scary. Like, have you ever attacked an Ashiok and then had it be Teferi's Time Twisted on you and you're like, great, now how can I ever win? I have, and it sucks. But I'm not in on this card unless I have a deck that wants... Specifically, like I'm playing a control strategy, that is pretty much the only time I want an Ashiok in my deck.
1: Yeah, I've seen so many opponents cast this, and like it is scary one time out of 10 for me because most people are just putting it in their blue black deck and being like, yeah, I'm going to build 20 cards, it's going to be great, and not really understanding that that doesn't win you the game. Um, so most of the time when I had one scenario that I remember very vividly where my opponent is curving out and destroying me and I'm like, they can't have another spell that does anything. And they played an Ashiok and I said, cool, I win. And then I did. So it's like, this is a kill condition for your control deck, but that's not the important part of the control deck, right? The control is the important part. You can basically, your kill condition can be kind of whatever you want it to be after you've got that control shell built. So I respect it, and I have built a control deck around it and used it in that way, and I've seen other people do that, and it can be impressive there. Uh, but I'm not taking this early, because again, the, the kill condition is, is not super
0: relevant in a limited control deck. Agreed. All right, next up is Dreadhorde Arcanists. This is our rare one and a red for a 1-3 with trample. Whenever it attacks, you may cast target instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost, less than or equal to its power from your graveyard, though paying its mana cost if that card be put in your graveyard this turn, Exile instead. I don't think I've actually seen this do anything. No, nor do I think it's super likely to. I've seen it do stuff in
1: Constructed, which is cool, but I, I don't think it's doing anything here. Uh, I'd rather have Burning Profit in most of my red decks, although if I'm red-green, we can talk, because I will have some giant growth there. Uh, but I'm just windmill-slamming this Law Rune Enforcer and not really thinking about much of the rest of the pack. Although it's worth noting that red and green... Maybe appear open Because we've got that Pledge of Unity That's pretty good And we've got a Jaya's
0: Greeting That seems a little late uh, But we're only on pick four But we got past the finale Of the White finale And the Law Rune Enforcer So yeah, to me so- I think White is just completely open here
1: And that's actually where I like to be in a draft if I can be there is like, okay, I'm going to take the white cards and then whatever's open, you know, very late will be my second color. Or if I open a bomb in pack two that happens to be, I don't know, green, I'll just be like,
0: okay, cool. We're green now. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up, pack five, uh, makeshift battalion. I I, I really like this. I think, in my three-drop spot, if I'm playing blue-white flyers and I have the trusty Pegasuses, um, or any way to curve out reliably on my opponent, it is two and a white for a 3-2. Whenever it attacks with two other creatures, at least two other creatures, put a plus one plus one counter on it.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of great three-drops. This one's fine, and it is threatening like to, to you know, be a 4-3 when it attacks. I've
0: been fine with it. Yeah, it's like, it's it's perfectly fine in that three drop spot. And obviously if you have the trusty Pegasus, it goes up in value. But um, I had somebody comment on it on my stream the other day. It's like, why are you putting this in your deck? And it's like, well, I have like eight flyers. One of them is a trusty Pegasus. And if I'm going to be attacking with the flyers, I might as well throw this in as well, even if it's not flying itself. And it will trade for something relevant on the other side of the battlefield. Well, that, and yeah, you're going to need three drops. Like, what do you want? It's a three, two. It blocks pretty good. It can block a crunch. It absolutely can. Not a lot of things, a lot of things can block a crunch, but that's not the important thing here. Next up is Kaia's Ghost Form, a single black for an enchantment aura. Put it on a Planeswalker creature you control, and when it dies or is put into exile, return that card to the battlefield under your control. This card's really bad, don't put it in your deck. Yeah, just discard a card a lot of the time. Even, Mm -hmm. you just never have a deck where this is going to get any kind of reasonable value. Defiant Strike is a single white. For an instant, target creature is plus one plus zero until end of turn, draw a card. This may be worse than ghost form, but at least you can cycle it yeah i think I feel like this only goes in one deck, and that's red white with a bunch of spell the red weird spell gorger, whatever it is, um, and even then it's not great. I wish this had first strike, oh yeah, do anything else, and
1: it's interesting, like this was originally printed in a set where prowess was a main mechanic, uh and
0: even there it was questionable, mm-hmm. A boreal grazer is a single green for an 03 with it not defender, but it has reach. And when it enters the battlefield, you can put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. I, uh, while narrating my plays on stream,
1: uh, had just two for one an opponent and said, and when they played an arboreal grazer, I said, this is great because we just got another two for one. And they said, what do you mean? I said, they paid green mana and discarded a card because that's kind of what you're doing when you play this. Like, this is really awful and limited. Uh, Ethan and I described it as a termagulife and constructed in Frank Moon's deck because he was freaking killing people with these things in a proliferate deck, and it was really cool. But like, you cannot put this in your limited deck and, it, and think that it's okay. Uh, it's just really, really bad.
0: Yeah, and and people that, that like look at it and say that it's ramp. It's not really ramp. The only time it's ramp is when you have a land in your hand when you play this and then you continue to play all of your land drops for the rest of the game because the moment you miss a land drop the the ramp from this card quote-unquote ramp from this card doesn't matter anymore yeah it just disappeared exactly so you only get ramp for like one or two turns when you can just play a, a paradise druid or uh you know not play this card and play something relevant or just play an extra land there you go all right. One in the green for force landing is an instant. But target creature with flying on the bottom of its owner's library. I usually only sideboard this. I've been very happy with it out of the side. Yeah. Giant growth is a single green. Target creature gets plus three plus three until end of turn. The best combat trick ever printed. Pretty much, I would say. I'm trying to think of a better one. There's not. Um, no, no, not really. Erratic visionary one in the blue <laughs> for a one three. This is the looter. We talked about this one already. Mm-hmm uh sky theater strix is one on a blue for a one two with flying whenever you cast a non-creature spell sky theater strix gets plus one plus zero until end of turn uh i've come around on this card a bit um because i think the extra point of damage when you're attacking a planeswalker or potential for the extra one point of damage when attacking a planeswalker specifically the uncommon ones is surprisingly relevant um but i would prefer to have war creatures. i think in this spot in my uh in my blue white deck
1: yeah, same. I'm not super excited about this card. I originally said it was unplayable and then I found myself playing it a couple times just cuz uh, there's not really great two drops in blue. Uh so if the color I'm pairing it with doesn't have something better, I'll end up playing it now and then. And I've also been interested in bringing them in from the side if my opponent's attacking me with one power flyers. Like this is a pretty decent way to block those. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it again can be a way to pressure walkers. I'm I'm not taking it here, but like it's interesting
0: to note. Exactly. Gleaming Overseer, one black, blue for a one-four when it enters the battlefield. of mass one, and zombie tokens you control have hexproof and menace. I need to go back to our, our set review, or at least when we first started talking about the set. Um I thought that the zombie lords would be more important than they have been for me so far. The only one to me that has been important is the Sky Lord, the one that gives it flying. All the other ones have kind of just been eh not the greatest. Like they're they're good, they're okay, but they're not nearly as good as I kind of expected them to be. I guess the Death Toucher one is pretty good on its own too, but the Trampler one's one, been pretty good for me too. Really? I haven't really had an opportunity to like take full advantage of it. Maybe it's because I just haven't really drafted like the blue or sorry, the the black red deck with a lot of a mass. It seems like I don't have as much amass in that in that version. Okay. I,
1: I've been pretty happy with all of them, frankly. Okay. Um, and it, it's it here. I'll, let's read the last card, and then
0: I, I want to mention Gleaming Overseer again. Sure, Ravnica at War is three and a white exile, all multicolored permanents. Not really relevant. Okay, so because
1: we have Finale of Glory, I'm playing white, right? Yes. Like th- that card's just really good. I've got that in a Law Rune Enforcer. Like I'm not giving up on white, so I'm taking this makeshift battalion. It is not the best card in the pack. I think the Gleaming Overseer was. So if we go back to that, um, that finale of Glory, and instead of that, I have almost any other white common, I'm probably taking the Gleaming Overseer and seeing like hey, maybe we can play this Command the Dreadhorde and do some blue-black shenanigans. But Finale of Glory and Law Rune Enforcer are so good that here I'm willing to take an underpowered card. And it's again, it's not that the Battalion's bad. It's just that it's not exciting, right? Like, I'd yeah. rather be taking a removal spell or, you know, a four-drop with flying, something like that. But because of where we are in the draft, and I know that I'm going to play that finality, Finale,
0: I'm, I'm just going to take the Battalion here. Yeah, me too. Um, I think we would have had an even Eternal instead of the finale. I don't remember exactly. I'd have to go back and take a look. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Gleaning Overseal is also a really good blocker. That's something to keep in mind, right? Yeah, and, uh, it, I mean,
1: it's it's a, it's a essentially a 2-5 for 3. Like, you would play that in most decks anyway, um, and then it, it has the potential to, like, sort of have that haste quality. Right? Like you can play something else and amass onto that, and all of a sudden it's more relevant, or you can play this later and make your already large army suddenly have menace. Like I've been very happy with
0: Gleaming Overseer. Mm -hmm. Okay. If that card was a common, you'd hate it. You're absolutely right. All right, let's get through these next two packs. And actually, this has been a really good discussion so far. So I think we're only going to get through the first eight picks here. But I think we've gone through a lot of cards and really talked about how we approach the format so far. So I think it's been a good exercise, even though we're not going to get to see another pack. And we're agreeing about a lot of these picks. All right. In our common spot, we have Prismite uh, 2, 2 colorless for a 2-1 with the ability uh, pay 2 and add 1 mana of any color. Uh, so you're, you're paying a little bit of tax and getting some uh, fixing. Martyr this, for the cause. Oh, go ahead, sir. I was
1: just gonna say I haven't played this. When I've seen opponents play it, it's been bad. Like this is not how you
0: should be fixing, and this is not what I want out of my two drops. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I don't think I'll ever see myself casting this card. I guess if I'm playing like a really greedy deck and I don't get there with the fixing, maybe I play this. But no, like, that just has put to it in 18th greedy. land. Just no, to it's be bad. Greedy. Martyr for the cause. One in a white for a 2-2. When it dies, proliferate. It's- this is okay. I think there's just better two drops. It's not the best white two drop. It's worse than I thought it was going to be. I'd rather have the worst creature over it every time. That's fair. Gideon Sacrifice, we've talked about that. Arlen's Wolf is two and a green for a three-two. Uh, can't be blacked by, or blocked by creatures with power two or less. This is a pretty hard-hitting three drop. It's, sur- like, on curve, it's obviously surprisingly tough to block. It gets through a lot of the uh, amass creatures and early amass tokens, um and plays really well with combat tricks i would say like it's sometimes it can't be double blocked it there's a lot of text on this even though there's just one line yeah i this is the tree drop i want for
1: my green decks it's it's quite good and probably a runner for the pack currently
0: i would say so the only reason i would take martyr is because i i know i'm white yeah right but i don't know what my second color is necessarily crush descent is three and a blue for the uh, instant counter target spell unless its controller pays two and a mass two
1: so i was arguing that this might be playable in a heavy amass deck and it just isn't uh no escapes a much better counter spell this one's easy to sniff out and play around and like it it, it just god four mana is so much to hold up that you're basically locked into countering anything your opponent plays, which takes a lot of the play out of counter spells. Like, th- this is a D-level card. It's just not good.
0: Yeah, there's just... I never have an opportunity where I'm like, man, I wish I'd crushed Descent here on four mana so that I can counter something. Yeah, no one's ever thought that. Yeah. Sarkin's Catharsis, four and a red for uh deals five... Da- instant, that deals five damage to target player or Planeswalker. Have you played this much? Yeah, I've won a lot of games with it. I've been okay. pretty happy to have this in my red decks. Yeah, I haven't had the opportunity to play it, but I think I would certainly do it, um, you know, if if not main deck out of the side to kill a bunch of Planeswalkers and then sometimes just nuke my opponent in the face. I think you play it to nuke your opponent in the face, and then it has the
1: backup plan of, okay, I need to take this Planeswalker out, let's do it. Yeah. The
0: interesting thing is, though, like, a lot of the Planeswalkers you want to kill, this doesn't kill. Uh, like a lot of like the bomb level planeswalkers that you want to get with this, once they plus this doesn't kill them. It it it's really good at dealing with the uncommon ones and Sarkin, surprisingly it's really good at dealing with as well. Mm-hmm. Primordial Worm is four green green for a seven six. I've actually put this in some green decks where I had some ramp and nothing to ramp to, and it was pretty good. It's it's pretty okay if you don't have anything better. Like I mean, pretty okay some pretty okay is better, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you just need a 7-6. Um, I had a deck with two of them the other day, and like obviously I didn't get there on what I was ramping to. Um, actually, it was a green-black-gray deck, and it wasn't greedy enough. That was my problem. Uh-huh. And uh, they did okay. Yeah. Con- contentious plan. We talked about this card. This is the proliferate draw card. And then we have another gleaming overseer. Well, this time i am taking that overseer. Uh, like, the martyr yeah. for the cause is
1: just so bad. Like, I, I will find two drops for my white deck, and if it's a martyr for the cause, that's fine, but I'm not picking one sixth. I should be wheeling those if White's open. So I'll set myself up for the backup plan of maybe we actually are blue black all along. Or maybe we're splashing, you know, the, the draw card flyer in our and this and our white black deck. Like, who knows where we could go from here? But the Gleaming Overseer's so so much better
0: than the rest of this pack that I can't ignore it. How good do the blue or white cards have to be before you're just forgetting that gleaming overseer and sticking to your guns because the white we have is very good so like if martyr for the cause is well we picked uh the battalion creature over over the gleaming overseer last pack so if there's another overseer or the not overseer the battalion creature are you taking that one or are you still are you taking the gloom, glooming overse, gleaming overseer thinking that this is open now or like this is a sign that this you should be taking these cards
1: yeah uh it Let's say that we have we... a Gideon's Reproach level card. I can ignore it, right? Okay. But I'm just I'm not seeing anything good in blue or white, but I'm seeing mm-hmm. this kind of signpost for hey, blue, black, look at me. Like, okay, I see you, buddy. Let's go. Yeah.
0: All right, that's fair. Are you are you taking the martyr? No. No, I don't think it like I, I think I'm speculating here. Like I can get a better card than the martyr. Yeah. Right? Like, if it's, like, pack three, I'll take the Martyr because I might need a two drop and I'm, I'm not in those colors, right? But, like, it's worth a speculative pick here. Yeah. Um. And I'm not sad that I missed the last one. Like, it's it's tough, right? Like, especially on Arena with the bots, like, it's it's tough to know if something is just an oversight or if it's a signal sometimes, especially, like, in pack one. Yeah. Looking for things on the wheel here. All right, next pack, we have another Aven Eternal, which is probably the card that I'm highlighting without looking at the rest of the pack. Same. Another Banehound, another Ashiok Skulker, another Prismite. We have a Guild Globe, so I'm at your take on Guild Globe here. Two colorless or two generic mana for uh, an artifact when it enters the battlefield draw card, and you can pay two, tap and sacrifice it, add two mana of two different colors. I've been playing these. The the cantrip is surprisingly relevant.
1: Well, the cantrip has been relevant on all versions of this card that have been printed before. The difference is you get it when it enters the battlefield, not when you sacrifice it. So Mm -hmm. this one actually provides colorless fixing at the cost of a non-land slot. So where I've I've been mostly happy with it was with a deck that was between 16 and 17 lands or between 17 and 18 lands. I was like, you know what? We'll just put a Guild globe in. It, It had to have that condition met and something I wanted to splash but provided it did, I was pretty happy with the Guild Globe in my deck. I've seen Jan Vandervit do stupid stuff like play five of these and 13 lands. And of course, he's crushing with it because he's a monster. I haven't gotten quite to that point yet. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'll try
0: it at some point. It's interesting. I'm mean, going to have to watch out for that one, see if I can catch a replay or something. Um, I, I like it for the fixing. And like I think, like you said, I didn't really think about it between 17 and 18 land, but that makes a lot of sense. It's the colorless opt. <laughs> yeah. Herald of the Dread Horde, uh, three and a black for the three two when it dies a mass two. I really like this card. We talked about it before. Defiant Strike, and then we have an uncommon. Invade the City, one blue red for a mass X, where X is the number of instant and sorcery cards in your graveyard. Yeah, I have not been impressed with this card at all. <sighs> Am I the only one that thinks that like the blue red spells deck, or, or sorry, the blue red deck is not necessarily a blue red spells deck. It's just a blue red deck that has a lot of good cards in them. Yeah, that's that's okay. where I've been going
1: to, and like this, it just doesn't want that. So like okay. I'm slamming this aven Eternal it, again. Yep. If we can get back on that blue white train, that's preferred. But if not, this goes in blue black.
0: Exactly. Yeah, Avan Eternal is easily the pickup here. And now we have uh, pack one pick eight. So this will probably be the last one we'll do here. Uh, Sarkins Catharsis again. Iron Bully. Th- uh, three generic mana for a one one with menace. When it enters the battlefield, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. I've been pretty happy putting this in most decks.
1: Like, if you can put the counter on something else and give it, you know, haste, evasion, whatever, that's a good deal. And just a 3 mana 2-2 menace has been a surprisingly okay body for the format.
0: I really like putting the plus 1 plus 1 counter on a flyer. Like, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, yeah, go, that's go, obviously best. You go 2-drop War Screecher, 3-drop Iron Bully, and you're laughing.
1: Yeah, or you can put it on a mowoo. Like, it even has other things that it can do, like, in multiple
0: decks. Yep. Uh, another guild globe, rising populace, two and a white for a two-two. Whenever another creature or planeswalker you control dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Populous. Sup- surprisingly good. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like if you cannot be
1: too far behind when you play it, it will eventually turn into a threat that your opponent has to deal with. Um it, however, there's other times where you're just gonna play it and trade with a three-two. So it's not like this card's ever gonna be phenomenal. Um, but it it's been pretty good. I've been happy
0: playing these. It's a high variance card, I would say. Yeah,
1: that's actually a good way to think of it.
0: Yeah, so if, if you're looking to gamble, it's a perfectly fine card to gamble with. The floor is fl- the floor is low, and the ceiling is is quite good. Quite good, I think, for a three drop. Goblin assault team, three and a red for a four and one with haste. When it dies, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. I've been playing one or two of these in most of my red decks. I'm pretty happy with them. Yeah, I really like that. Like usually you can put the, the plus one plus one counter on something relevant or make something relevant mm-hmm. um so i like one of these in a lot of my decks the haste is super relevant too like you can just reach out and get a planeswalker on a lot of boards yeah put your
1: opponent where they have to block with the utility creature that they weren't anticipating or just like take four like that's a significant amount of damage
0: yeah and i like cards i like cards that make my opponents make decisions because it gives them an opportunity to make an incorrect decision. And a card like this, attacking Planeswalkers, you know, do I let the Planeswalker die, or do I throw my utility creature in front of it to keep my Planeswalker around? Mm-hmm. Giving your opponent the opportunity to make poor decisions has turned out to be very good for me so far. I would agree. Defiant Strike, again, and then Ral's Outburst. Uh, two red-blue for an instant when... Or, sorry, it deals three damage to any target. Look at the top two cards of your library, put one in your hand, and the other in your graveyard. So, this. little... Is this a signpost that, like, maybe there's red-blue, but we're obviously late in the draft, so, like, maybe it's too late to do that? No, I'm totally taking it. You're totally taking
1: it. Yeah, we're either blue-white splashing this, or we're blue-black splashing this. This is a great spot to be in. Like, I'll get a Guild Globe eventually, I can put a basic in the deck, it'll be fine.
0: Okay. I think I would prefer to be blue-white splashing this with the cards that we have so far. Me too. Um, I'm looking at the Iron Bully, to be honest. Nah, it's way
1: too early for that. Like, I don't, I don't think so. It, it's a hundred percent too early. Like, the power level on this card is significantly bigger than anything else. Kill your
0: opponent's creature, draw a card. You don't want that in your deck. I do, but I, I, I've had a lot of consac- success, which is consistent decks. Like, it does the same thing every time, and I don't have to worry about hitting my splash unless I'm playing a greedy deck, right? Like. Well, see, here's, you know,
1: the, here's the thing. A lot of people mm-hmm. said the fixing in this set was really bad. And it's... It's it, it's not. It's not. It's okay. It's not as good as what we're used to in the Ravnica sets. But Ravnica was all about playing, you know, three or four colors. And this one's not. It's about splashing one card because it's powerful. Sure. And this this is powerful enough to splash. Also, again, I don't have to play it. If the splash doesn't get there and we end up playing black-white,
0: no problem. I don't have to play it. It's okay. That's that's fair. I've been extremely happy just curving out, which is why I'm looking at either... Actually, the Rising Populace or the Iron Bully, but I'm going to take the Iron Bully because I know for sure that I would play it 100% of the time, I think.
1: Yeah, again, I can respect that, and when I saw this pack, I was like, we're going to take the Bully until I saw that outburst, and I was like, nope, never mind, we're
0: doing that. Okay. And then that was our pick eight. Pick nine on the wheel, we would have got a Herald the Dreadhorde or an Ashiok Skulker or Burning Prophet came all the way back around, which probably shouldn't have come all the way back around. Yeah. But, um... At that point, I'm probably taking the Skulker and then just seeing what else we get, so. I'd take the dread horde Because you're living that Black Dream. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I'm off the Black Dream. Like, the only cards I think we saw, aside from the Herald here on the wheel, were the Gleaming Overseers. Yeah. So, I think, I think I'm think i going to take the blue card here and then um, live that blue-white dream with an Iron Bully.
1: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to live the blue-white dream eventually and probably splash that
0: Outburst. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting exercise, though. Um, Normally, we don't agree on a lot of our picks. Um, You did talk me into the Dreadhorde, command the Dreadhorde early, um, and I don't know that I would have taken it after or before having that conversation with you, understanding now that I was just playing that card wrong. Um, But in my draft, it looks like I'm not playing it. In your draft, you're holding out that dream for that card, but we're certainly white and hoping to get some white removal and Law Rune Enforcers in the next pack.
1: Yeah. And like, I think that's an interesting thing about this format too, is like you can go through most of the first pack and still not be a hundred percent sure
0: what colors you're playing, which is, I mean, pretty cool. Yeah. Just take powerful cards, right? Like a lot of the times you might end up without a sideboard. And in Arena, if you're playing best of one, that's totally fine. But you're like your your main deck is still going to have a lot of powerful cards, mm-hmm. um, even if you're like scraping by for playables. Which is we talked about that. Like sometimes you just got to play a two two with flavor text because you switched into a different color in pack three because you opened a stupid bomb, and and you know risk reward on that one. Sometimes you got to do that. But I've seen a lot of decks be successful with that strategy.
1: Yeah, me too. I've had a lot of five win runs uh,
0: that that were playing you know three two Nagas for sure for sure absolutely so um all right well thanks for going through that with me i really appreciate it um a little sad we only got to do the one but whatever well maybe uh, we'll do this podcast thing again one day maybe we'll do this podcast thing again one day and do, the, do another draft along but thanks to everyone for listening and hanging out with us today uh where can they catch you streaming this week and actually casting why don't you tell us about that as well Yep, you can find me uh, streaming
1: this week at twitch.tv slash Uh, and I have been casting the Fandom Legends tournaments. That's at twitch.tv slash fandom, F-A-N-D-O-M. Uh, there's not actually one this week. They're taking a week off, but we'll be back to casting those next week on Thursdays. They usually fire up about 2 Eastern, and they're super cool events. The last one I got to watch, uh, kind of my MTG hero, Daniela Diaz, crush face with a ridiculous Jeskai Super Friends deck. Uh, featuring Fibblethup and Roll Reversal, uh, and it it was just lovely. It was a, a joy to cast and a joy to watch. Like it's got me excited about Standard, and and as longtime listeners know, that is not easily done.
0: Yeah, and it's super cool. It's a really good production. You and Ethan do a great job, Ethan, of Lords of Limited Fame. I think you guys have really hit your stride. I think this is you did three now, mm-hmm. and you guys have just kind of been crushing it the whole way. So you guys they did a really good thing basically hiring you on for the next couple of couple of events. I think that's really cool. So congratulations to you. Thank you. And, uh, I have been streaming a little bit more lately, which is great. So you can find me at twitch.tv slash d civilian. That's D S A V I L L I A N. You'll note that I slowed that down for the listeners mm-hmm. and I'm at Twitter the same. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, aside from just listening to us or telling your friends about us, you can find us on Patreon. We're at patreon.com slash men for Thanks to -to Face-to-Face Games for the support and all the hosts. We'll catch you next time. Adios.